Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Sam Darnold no longer seeing ghosts, Shireen. He's seeing Panthers as of today. <laughs> the Jets quarterback, the third overall pick in the 2018 draft, traded out of the blue, the Carolina blue, to the Panthers for 2021 sixth-round pick, 2022 second-round pick, 2022 fourth-round pick. Thank you to the Jets and the Panthers for picking a day, a Monday, could have done it yesterday, could have done it the day before. Thank you for waiting until Monday so we can milk that cow properly. Shereen, good afternoon. How are you? Well, it was a slow news day, Mike, but all of a sudden it picked up right about an hour ago. And so here we are. Got big news on the horizon. This is fun. This is a fun offseason. I hate when people ask me, what do you do in the offseason? This is what we do in the offseason, Mike. Yeah, hey, what do you do once football season ends? You just lay around. Sure, I lay around. We're busier from the end of football season until training camp, for the most part, than we are during football season. And this offseason with the quarterback carousel, Sims and I were talking earlier today in the context of a Jimmy Garoppolo trade that the spots are shrinking. And with the Panthers drafting eighth and the Broncos drafting ninth and both teams obviously interested in upgrading at the quarterback position, There wasn't much more that could really happen. And I thought the Jets would hold on to Sam Darnold until after round one played out and then have an auction for Darnold between the end of round one and the start of round two, roughly 18 hours earlier, like the Cardinals did two years ago when they acquired Kyler Murray with the first overall pick, traded Josh Rosen, the 10th overall pick from the same year Darnold was drafted. But the Panthers... My guess is after swinging and missing on Matthew Stafford and whoever else they were trying to get, whatever else they were trying to do, I think Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets GM and former Dolphins executive, has suggested that the Panthers were one of the ones trying to move up to get in position to draft Mac Jones. You get to a point where you've just had enough. Let's just call the ball. Let's get it done. Let's know what we're going to have. What they're going to have is Sam Darnold, Shereen. And, you know, I think the impetus for all this, Mike, was the 49ers trade up last week. That kind of took the 49ers out of play for Sam Darnold, which, you know, there had been speculation that that's probably where he was going to end up. Well, it became obvious that wasn't going to happen once that trade happened. And it became obvious that the Panthers weren't going to get up into that top three more than likely to draft their quarterback. So they really were out of options at this point. And I think, frankly, Mike, The Jets were out of options at this point because the 49ers were no longer in that trade talk. And perhaps the Panthers said, hey, this is our last best offer. Take it or leave it. And at that point, maybe the Jets said, all right, let's let's move on from San Darnold. We don't care that we're playing our hand. We have the second pick overall anyway. We're going to get Zach Wilson if we don't get Trevor Lawrence. He's our guy. We don't care that everybody knows he's our guy. So. I think it worked out for both sides at this point. You know why I think it's a win for the Panthers? Because if he doesn't work out, 
they are going to have a high pick next year and they'll be back in that quarterback derby. The one thing that worries me about the the Panthers' commitment to Sam Darnold is they are picking up that fifth-year option, Mike, which is $18 million, so they'll be locked into that. But I'm not so certain that this is their quarterback of the future, but they get to find out. And if and if he is and he works out great, they've, they've got their guy and they've got him for relatively inexpensive if he's not their guy, they'll be back here next year or perhaps at the trade deadline to go get Deshaun Watson. Here's the reality. This is the first year that picking up the fifth-year option makes it fully guaranteed from the moment it's exercised. So that $18 million for 2022, that's part of what they are stepping into. Now, the good news is he only will cost $920,000 this year in salary along with, where is it, $3.8 million in a preseason roster bonus so total salary about 4.8 for Sam Darnold this year that's a bargain next year is when it becomes more expensive 18.858 million nearly 19 million dollars fully guaranteed as of next year so they they clearly believe in him and they wouldn't have done it now we got to rewind to 2018 six weeks before the draft it was a Saturday Colts and Jets that time around didn't wait for Monday. So screw them three years later. They did the trade early Saturday morning, 9, 10 o'clock. The Jets and Colts flip-flop three and six. And the Jets, in addition to giving up their sixth overall pick, they got the third pick, but gave up three second-round picks to go up three spots. Now, this time around, when they unload Sam Darnold, they get that sixth-round pick this year, second-round pick next year, fourth-round pick next year. I thought that what they would get for Sam Darnold would essentially be a 2021 second-round pick. Someone who is looking for a quarterback, has a second-round pick, do the deal, maybe a little more on top of it. For them to get three picks, now the second-rounders next year, which makes it less valuable than this year, obviously, but I think they did a little bit better than I thought they would for Darnold, given that there was hardly a land rush for a guy who once upon a time was regarded as the top pick in 2018. I mean, in the 2017 season, Darnold was the guy, but that shine is long gone from San Darnold, Shereen. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I thought they gave up too much, perhaps, if they're thinking about getting into that Deshaun Watson derby whenever that happens. And, and I think we all expect that to be at some point after the draft, whether it's at the trade deadline before the season or sometime next offseason. But at some point, the Texans are going to have to move on from Deshaun Watson. So I figured the Panthers, if they were going to trade for a quarterback, would give up capital for this year to hold on to that to be able to trade for Deshaun Watson. But that didn't happen. So the Jets have moved on from San Darnold, Mike. If you look at their drafts from 2013 to 2018, their first rounders, they traded every single one of them. Richardson, Pryor, Williams, Lee, Adams, and now Darnold. But they do have 21 picks over the next two years. No secret why they ha- why they haven't been good, and they aren't good. It's because they haven't drafted real well. They've traded all those guys. They've got to get better at that. Joe Douglas has sh- shown a penchant for being good in the draft. He's got 21 now over the next two years to make it work. Yeah, and this is all about tearing down and building up gradually. All the picks that were made by Mike McCagnin, the former GM, being thrown overboard as Joe Douglas puts his imprint on the team. And with a quarterback, I've said this time and again, three types of teams, teams that have franchise quarterbacks, teams that are desperately looking for one, and teams that have a guy that they're not quite sure whether or not he's going to be a franchise quarterback. So let's see what happens. 
For the Jets, three years, that was enough for them to come to the conclusion that it's time to move on. And it's hard to fault them for it because at some point, I don't care who the surrounding cast is, at some point, a guy who is destined to become one of the five to ten best quarterbacks in the NFL on a consistent year-in and year-out basis is going to show us that in his first three seasons in the NFL. Now, maybe this is going to be a bit of a Vinny Testaverde flamed out with his first team and all of a sudden figured it out with his second team, and that's not unprecedented, although it doesn't happen often. But the Jets are making the calculated decision here that they've seen what they're going to get out of Darnold, and they're in position to get someone else. I think that's the other side of this we can't overlook. Trading Darnold means they're definitely, not that we doubted it, but they're definitely going quarterback at number two, and they're ready to hand the keys to that guy, Shereen, knowing that the last guy, three years, enough to know, not working. Now let's roll the dice again. And if this one doesn't work, you'll be back in position, possibly with a new GM and a new head coach, to roll the dice again. Yeah, it tells you, I think, Mike, how much they love Zach Wilson, right? And and they think that he's going to be better than what Sam Darnold is. And I don't fault him for that. If you think the guy you can draft is better than the guy you have on the roster, you make that move. And I said that repeatedly. I said last year, that's what the Lions should have done with that third over, overall pick was take Justin Herbert. They didn't do it. So if you're in position to do that and you really like a guy you think can be a franchise quarterback, you take him and you take him when you have that opportunity. You don't say, well, we're going to give the guy one more year just to see what he can do, just to see if he can come into his own. You've seen him for three years. You think you know what he is. You think Zach Wilson is better. Pull the trigger, make that move, and they've done it. So kudos to them. If it doesn't work out, you're right, Mike. It's going to cost the GM and the coach their jobs, just like it does repeatedly when things don't work out with quarterbacks who are drafted high. But they, they've pulled the trigger on a guy they think is really, really good by moving on from Sam Darnold. Joe Douglas, GM of the Jets, said this. I want to publicly acknowledge the commitment, dedication, and professionalism Sam displayed while with the Jets. He is a tough-minded, talented football player whose NFL story has not been written yet. While all these things are true, this move is in the short and long-term best interest of both this team and him. We thank Sam for all of his work on behalf of this organization, and we wish him well as he continues his career. And I would say about 12 to 15% of that Joe Douglas actually means. But but look, it's, it, it's possible that it's the right move for everyone. It's a long-term win-win. It's time for a new start for Darnold. It's time for a new start for the Jets. The Jets are in position to take Zach Wilson or whoever they believe is going to be potentially their next Joe Namath 50 years later. That's what the Jets are looking for. That's what the Jets need. That's what the Jets want. And Sam Darnold getting a chance with an offense that may be better suited to him, with a coaching staff that may be better suited to him. Who knows? A a running back in Christian McCaffrey that is clearly better than anyone who's been in the backfield behind Sam Darnold. Receivers who are better than anything Sam Darnold's had to work with. He'll be reunited with Robbie Anderson also in Carolina. So this could work for Sam Darnold, and he could end up being great, and it's a risk the Jets are willing to take because the bottom line is they had to ask themselves this, Shereen. $24 million? or so 23 million 22 million over the next two years for Darnold if they picked up the option and then what do they do versus rolling the dice from scratch with a new guy and I think it was a no-brainer because again I believe you're going to declare yourself within three years if you're truly a franchise quarterback he's shown 
moments, just like that run on a Monday night against the Denver Broncos, unless it was a Thursday night. It was a night game one way or the other. But but not enough. Not consistent enough. Not yeah. good enough. Not a franchise quarterback. Not a shortlist franchise quarterback, period. I'm going to be curious to see how he does in Carolina, Mike, because as you pointed out, the weapons certainly are better. He had one of the worst rosters of, in the NFL over the last three years. He did not have adequate coaching over the last three years. So he gets a chance to have all that in Carolina. If it doesn't work out there, I think we're going to see the last of Sam Darnold. He'll, he'll end up probably out of the league doing something else in the next couple of years. So this is really his last best chance to, to get it done on the field. Maybe he ends up a backup, backup quarterback if it doesn't work yeah. out in Carolina, but this is his chance to get it done. Chase, Chase Daniel just texted to say, not so fast, Shireen. There's a good living to be made holding a clipboard <laughs> indefinitely right. in the National Football League. As I've said time and again, there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. I'll do respect to Chase Daniel, but but to go two or three deep on a depth chart, yeah, Sam Darnold will continue to be employed if he wants to be a backup. His window of opportunity to be a starter is about to to close if it doesn't work out for him with the Carolina Panthers. And either way, the Panthers got two years to figure out what they're going to do with this guy long-term. He's either a guy you're going to sign to a long-term contract that won't necessarily be the richest contract in NFL history. And I continue to believe that as we see this ongoing evolution of quarterback contracts, there's going to be tears now. It's not going to be the next guy who has just passed the test and looks the part is going to become the highest paid quarterback in league history. There's going to be a tier for those guys who are just kind of okay and a tier for the true greats. But Sam Darnold could get that top of tier two money if everything goes well for him in Carolina. Flipping it around to the Carolina Panthers when they gave a top of tier two contract last year to Teddy Bridgewater, three years, 66 million. A lot of people were like, holy crap. And it looked like they were going to be tied to Bridgewater for at least two years when you consider the guaranteed money and the cap charge. And they're still looking at 10 million fully guaranteed in salary this year for Teddy Bridgewater. But whatever it was, whatever he did, whatever in the film room caused Matt Rule and or David Tepper and or Scott Fitterer to say enough's enough. Teddy got one year and that's that. And it's not even a matter of let's see if we can clean it up. Let's see if we can fix it up. He didn't have Christian McCaffrey for most of the season. If he has McCaffrey, maybe he can be better. They were done. For as much as they loved him a year ago, Shireen, they were able to decide in one season, this is not our guy. And now it's just a matter of time before he's a former member of the Carolina Panthers. But the reality is if they don't find someone to take him via trade and take that $10 million in guaranteed money. Yep. They may have to just keep him around as the backup. You may have a situation where you've got a starter who's making about $4 million and you've got a backup who's making well over $10 million. It's $10 million guaranteed, and I think let's see what more there is on top of it. It's $17 million altogether in salary. So uh, you, you could have a backup who is making dramatically more than the starter this year in Carolina if they can't find a trade partner and if they don't want to eat that $10 million in guaranteed money. Yeah, and I started going down the list of teams, Mike, where he potentially would have a chance to go and start, and there just really aren't that many options. I mean, maybe New England, but I'll see New England trading for him. If Panthers decide to move on and cut him, that, that might be a possibility. But, I, you know, I just don't know that there's going to be a trade partner out there 
for Teddy Bridgewater. You know what would be a great landing spot I would love to see for Teddy? It's Tampa Bay because you look at what Teddy did in New Orleans behind Drew Brees, and I think he's an upgrade on the backup quarterback situation in Tampa. I, maybe he's their future quarterback if it doesn't work out uh, behind him. If they can't draft that guy over the next couple of years, maybe Teddy gets that chance. But that, to me, would be a fascinating place to see Teddy go. Either Tampa or New England uh, would be a place. But I, I, as far as going somewhere and starting, I don't see that, Mike. Do you? No, no. Uh, unless... Un- one, one possibility w- would be for him to go to the 49ers and be the stopgap yeah. short-term bridge to number three overall. That's one possibility. So you unload Jimmy Garoppolo at 25, acquire Teddy Bridgewater at 17, and then everyone knows going in, Teddy's just holding the spot until Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or whoever is ready to go. That's the one way that I think that would happen. And if I recall correctly, and there's a good chance I don't, the 49ers did reportedly inquire about a potential Teddy Bridgewater trade. Here's the other thing, and I'll agree with you completely on the possibility of Teddy Bridgewater going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was last year that Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, told Peter King, following the signing of Tom Brady, they had narrowed down their wish list at quarterback to three guys. One, Tom Brady. Three, Jameis Winston. Two, Teddy Bridgewater. So the idea of getting Bridgewater to take the place of Blaine Gabbert. Now, if he would be cut by the Panthers, look, anything less than $10 million, he's playing for free because he's getting the $10 million from the Panthers no matter what less whatever he makes somewhere else. But he could really stick it to the Panthers if he wanted to. They cut him. He goes to Tampa and takes $2 million. Panthers are paying him $8 million to be the backup to Tom Brady and to stake his claim to potentially be the successor to Brady in Tampa Bay. And even though Teddy Bridgewater's been around for a while now, he's in his early 30s, He's more than 10 years younger than Tom Brady. So you're still you're still going significantly younger when Tom Brady walks away and then Bridgewater can be the guy until you exhaust whether or not he can truly get it done long term. And if it doesn't work long term, then you move on to someone else. So I, I think you're onto something with the Buccaneers. I think the 49ers are another possibility. I think if the Seahawks decide to trade Russell Wilson, Bridgewater is a guy who would be a better option than anyone else they currently have available. So the the, the seats are getting limited. And and uh, now that Darnold is taking the presumptive starting role in Carolina, Teddy's going to be moving on, Shereen. But I look, I think we've seen enough from him in recent years. And I saw enough from him last year. And I am stunned how quickly they fell out of love with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I think there's enough there for him to get a shot somewhere else. Yeah, and Mike, he is 28, and he doesn't turn 29 until November. So he is still young. He has 59 career starts. He has a Pro Bowl. We know that became that came before the devastating knee injury. But this is a guy potentially who could get better and better off of that knee injury, you know, just recovering and being on the field and getting those reps that, that he didn't get in his third year and his fourth year. We know how long it was between his starts. So, I think there's still a future there for Teddy Bridgewater. And if I'm a team like the Buccaneers, I'm absolutely moving on him. 
which is potentially Mike, why Carolina sits on him and says, we don't want him leaving. We don't want him going to a division rival like the Buccaneers and potentially being, unless they're going to trade for him, potentially being the heir apparent to Tom Brady. We don't want that. So we'll just hold on to Teddy, see if Sam's any good. And we always had the potential to put Teddy back in the lineup. We know what he is. I got one for you that it just occurred to me. Who's the general manager of the Denver Broncos right now? Oh, yeah. There he, George Payton. George Payton. Right-hand man of Rick Spielman when Teddy Bridgewater was drafted by the Vikings at number 32 in 2014, the Johnny Manziel year. The Vikings had the private workout, fell in love with him. And it was just one of those stuff happens in the worst possible way that ended Teddy Bridgewater's time with the Vikings, the horrific knee injury late August 2016. And then his contract ran out. They're not going to make him the starter going forward. Nobody knew what he was going to do. Nobody knew how healthy he was going to be. He's reestablished himself. I remember a time he went to Denver 2014-2015-ish and beat the Broncos with the Vikings. It would have been 14, I think. I think, if I recall correctly. For some reason, it sticks out in my head. I'm going to have to do my research during the break or while you're talking. Multitask. I do I do vaguely recall. Maybe they, lo- oh, they lost. It was a close game in Denver that they lost on a Von Miller strip sack of Teddy Bridgewater. That's what it was, but it was a close game and the Vikings were driving. So I could see the Broncos, who clearly aren't enamored with Drew Locke because, number one, he can't stay healthy on a consistent basis. He's got the Jimmy Garoppolo fragile gene, all due respect. But if you can't stay healthy, that's just the reality. You're going to get criticized for that. And number two, when he has played, he hasn't consistently been great. Bridgewater could be the next domino that falls from eight to nine as the Broncos realize, you know what? We're not going to get a franchise quarterback in the top 10 either because of this run that's coming at the top four or five spots. Let's just go ahead and take Teddy Bridgewater if they can work that out. And then the Panthers, if they could do something where Bridgewater would rework his contract and they could hand it to the Broncos and avoid a situation where he's cut and he goes to Tampa Bay not that the Buccaneers would ever, you know, tamper and put ideas in his head. No, the teams don't do that. But if they could pull this off, then it never gets to the point where he ever does realize, hey, I could just sit tight, get cut, and go play for the Buccaneers. But being the backup to Tom Brady versus being the starter in Denver, even if there's a chance to eventually start in Tampa, hard to say no to a chance to go to Denver and be the starter right away. Yeah, no question about that, Mike. And with all these dominoes falling, it it does make it interesting about Deshaun Watson, right? I don't think any longer he controls his destiny with, uh, like you can control your destiny. But with the no trade clause, if the Texans want to move him, they're going to say, hey, here's the one team or two teams that, that we're going to be able to move you to. This is what we're doing. Take it or take it or leave it type thing. But, you know, All the teams now are getting close to being set for 2021. So perhaps it is at the trade deadline. Perhaps it is at the end of the year. But I just think a trade for Deshaun Watson is really being backed up now, Mike, if they're going to get any sort of value for him at all. And I do think the value for him has fallen. And and in my mind, Deshaun Watson has been removed from the front burner of NFL news and rumor and possible transactions. Now, it's on the front burner of off-field issues, but as it relates to his football status, his football future, short-term and long-term, 
I, I think that we need to accept the fact that he's in limbo. And he yeah. needs to accept the fact that he's in limbo. And everyone out there who thinks, oh, this is just something that's going to be resolved by May or June, you're really not paying attention if you think this is all going to neatly be cleaned up and everything's fine, no suspension, no commissioner exempt list. There's another lawsuit today. We're going to talk about this later. They're up to 22, and there's a criminal complaint that's been filed. I think we just need to look at Deshaun Watson as a guy who's a non-factor in 2021, at least as it relates to the quarterback carousel. And that may be why, Shireen, the 49ers eventually said, the hell with it. Let's give three first-round picks in exchange for the third overall pick in the draft, plus a third rounder. And the Panthers said, the hell with it. We're not going to wait around to see what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. We're going to go get Sam Darnold and just kind of take Deshaun Watson off the board as it relates to the possibilities of him being with anyone in 2021. If I had to bet right now, and this isn't, I, 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 you know, I'm not suggesting that anyone should go out and wager on what's going to happen with these serious off-field issues, and they are serious. But my hunch right now is, if I had to pick a spot right now, does he play or he doesn't play? I think it's more likely, based on what we know now, that he doesn't play this year. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. And maybe it's something they do in the offseason. Somebody eventually is going to take Deshaun Watson. He's going to play somewhere. He's too talented. We know that. We've seen this too often. But I think this off the field stuff all has to clear up. And as you said, it's not going to happen in the next month, two months, three months. So he's either going to, there's a lot of possibilities here, but he's either going to play for the Texans or not play for anyone. I think in 2021 and whether that happens at some point during this season, at the beginning of the season or not at all, uh, we'll find that out, but it's not going to be cleared up over the next couple months, Mike. There's one caveat and this is important. And, and we need to recognize Now that a criminal process has started, we don't know where it's going to end. We don't know how compelling of a story the complaining party is going to be able to tell. We don't know whether or not a prosecutor is going to decide to try to get a conviction of Deshaun Watson on serious charges that could put him behind bars for a very long time. We don't know who else is out there that may decide to go to the police. We know that Deshaun Watson is denied all wrongdoing, but newsflash, that always happens. Everyone always denies it. If there's a way that the dominoes fall for Deshaun Watson in a court of law that gets him convicted, he may never play again. So that's at least got to be a dot, even if it's on the outer edge of the radar screen. There is a chance he never plays in the NFL again because his entire life comes collapsing down on a stream of criminal complaints that become prosecutions, that become convictions. So this really is a serious, serious matter. And that's why, in my mind, you just... it just it's no longer a football matter. He's off the table until this thing is resolved whenever it's resolved. And you know what? If it gets resolved before the start of the season, then all right, he's back on. But he in my mind, he's off the table until this all gets resolved because I don't think it's getting resolved anytime soon. Let's take a break. When we return, Aaron Rodgers future not resolved as it relates to the Packers. But depending upon how he does on Jeopardy this week, maybe he has an opportunity to have a future there. We'll cover that and other NFL news when PFTPM continues right after this. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know, I think that we're exactly where we were uh, last year when I made comments after the draft and, and throughout the season. You know, I, I don't feel like any of that's changed. Uh, even my comments directly after the last game, there was some, and we talked about it on this show. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, some people who thought, you know, who made assumptions uh, based on what I said. Um, nothing's really changed. You know, my, my, my future uh, is, is really, a lot of it's out of my control. Uh, um, you know, that's why I mentioned, you know, using words like, a uh, phrase like beautiful mystery, like, because it is, uh, it is quite uh, uncertain uh, which directions that things are going to go. Um, all I can do is play my best, and I feel like last year I did do that and, and may have thrown a wrench into some timelines that may have been thought about or desired. That's Aaron Rodgers from the Pat McAfee show today. He still is upset that people made assumptions based upon the things he said back in January after the Buccaneers lost or the Buccaneers beat the Packers in the NFC championship game. People made reasonable assumptions. He's the one that dropped the brown smelly thing into the punch bowl and made us all say, what in the hell is Aaron Rodgers talking about? And so don't, I, it don't just please, please. I, I, I got a ton of respect for Aaron Rodgers as a player. I got a ton of respect for him as a host of Jeopardy, and I think he's going to be great. I think he's incredibly brilliant. I don't like it when he makes statements that invite assumptions, invite analysis, invite comment, and then he gets pissed off when we do our job, Shireen. That bugs me more than anything that he does. It's the only thing that he does that bugs me, but it bugs the hell out of me. Yeah, and he does it quite often, Mike, and he did it again today, but uh, we'll see what Aaron Rodgers' future is in Green Bay. This does remind me a lot of the, the far Rodgers years, just simply because Aaron Rodgers was 21 when he was drafted to the Packers and Favre was 35 and Rodgers was 36 when the Packers drafted 21-year-old Jordan Love. The question is, how long is Aaron Rodgers going to remain in Green Bay? And it's still a question. And I agree with him. He doesn't, I, I get what he's coming from. He doesn't control his future. But at the same time, uh, the Packers have a big decision to make on what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers. But the timeline was changed. I've said that all along. If he doesn't have the MVP season he had this year, I think he's gone from the Packers in 2021. He's playing for somebody else. And all these dominoes we're seeing falling, they would have been completely different based on Aaron Rodgers going somewhere else. 
Hey, Shereen, one of the reasons I think he had an MVP season in 2020 is because yeah, Mark no Murphy, question. the CEO of the team, who knows how to pull his strings and press his buttons, got him into the sweet spot of pissed off, just in the right spot, where he was not so upset that he started turning over apple carts, but that he was upset enough that he went out and had an MVP season. And they're going to try to do it again this year. They're trying to keep him in that sweet spot, just pissed off enough that he goes out and he has another MVP season. And I remember when they drafted Jordan Love last year, I thought, you know, if they play this right, they will piss him off well enough that he will have great seasons until either he's ready to talk his way out of town or the Packers are ready to push him on an iceberg. And it could be. I talked about this earlier today. He could find a way to thread this needle where Jeopardy loves him so much they want him to be the permanent host. He convinces them to wait for one more football season. He plays one more year. And then he says to Mark Murphy, stick this in your trophy case. And he goes and he takes over Jeopardy. So uh, I, I think, if nothing else, and this is one thing that I think I do have in common with Aaron Rodgers, and one of the reasons I think he doesn't like me is because we have a lot in common. I know how he thinks, and I'm able to better understand the messages he's trying to send. I believe that he desperately is looking for a way to control his exit from Green Bay in a way that doesn't make him a pariah. And there's one way to stick it to the Packers and walk away and not piss off the Packers fans, and that is to trade in number 12 for a suit and a game show set and take over Jeopardy for the next 40 years. I I think that is the dream scenario for Aaron Rodgers that he would never say out loud, and when someone does, he's going to say, nah, that's really not what I'm thinking. Well, he said today he'd love to be the permanent host of Jeopardy, and I think he'd love to do it after having another MVP season maybe winning a Super Bowl, and then saying, see you later, Mark Murphy. See you later, Brian Gutekunst. See you later, Packers. Um, I'm leaving on my own terms. You're not going to push me out when you're ready to let me go. And and I'm sure he would love that outcome if he could pull it off, Shereen. Yeah, no question, Mike. And, and it would be great to see him walk off into the sunset. Too few quarterbacks do that. We saw it with Peyton Manning. Uh, we saw it with John Elway, but too few ha- have done that. It would be terrific to see him win a Super Bowl and win another MVP award. That would be number four. And then just say, I'm out of here. It's been fun. It's real, been real. I'm going to go take my $10 million a year for the next X number of years to go host Jeopardy. And I think he'd be really good at that. He's He prepares, apparently prepared for Jeopardy the same way he prepares for his on-the-field play. We know that's worked for him through the years, so... Um, it's going to be fun to see him on Jeopardy, how he does uh, starting today, and then we'll see what his future is in Green Bay, Mike. But I don't think it's long for Green Bay. I see him playing one more year, maybe two, but I don't even know if that's the case. To me, the MVP, if he gets another MVP award this year, that really complicates what the Packers want to do and maybe changes their timeline yet again. But then Rodgers can, as you said, say goodbye, I'm out of here. I think he wants to dictate the timeline, and that's his motivation at this point, and that would be the best possible exit for him. And it would be a -a one-of-a-kind exit, walking away from football at the height of his game, telling the Packers, see you later, have fun with Jordan Love, and exiting completely out of football, staying in media, taking over Jeopardy, and making a crap load of money to work one day a week. Good work if you can ultimately get it. Ryan Day working hard to defend former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. The day began with Peter King's Football Morning in America, and he had quotes from Dan Orlovsky talking about the storm of something other than sand 
that happened last week when Orlovsky shared some things he was hearing from teams that were negative about Justin Fields. Ryan Day defending Fields. And I got no problem with Ryan Day defending his guy. And I love the defense against the idea that Justin Fields doesn't love football by pointing to what he did in that Clemson game when he got blown up Mm -hmm. in the first half and went on to have one of the great games of his career and what he did to keep the 2020 season on track when it was done, when it was gone, when it was over. They had to resurrect the 2020 season and Justin Fields was at the forefront of that. That's fine. But don't use it as a platform to take shots at the guys who conscientiously sat the year out because of concerns about the pandemic, whether it was their own health or the health of their family members. And for Ryan Day to say, and anyone out there who wants to make excuses for Ryan Day, who wants to say, well, you have to understand the full context of what he said. Look, he said what he said, and he didn't have to throw shade at the guys who chose to opt out, but he did. Where was everybody else? Where were the guys who were opting out then? You know, you don't love the game if you're doing something like that. That's what he said. And I haven't seen him say he didn't say it. You know, I was concerned because Peter wrote the, the story. And frankly, I was a little surprised Peter didn't press pause and say, that's uncalled for by Ryan Day. So I wrote it. That's uncalled for by Ryan Day. I was a little surprised Ryan Day didn't try to say he didn't say what he said, Shereen. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And he did go too far. And I appreciate him defending Justin Fields, although I think it came a few days late. But at the same time, he went too far. There's no question about that. You look at a guy like Virginia Tech quarterback Caleb Farley, who opted out, whose mom had had died, and he was concerned about his father's health and didn't want to bring that home and had several family members uh, with COVID. And and you're going to tell this guy he doesn't love football because he decided not to play last year? That's ridiculous. An Ohio State study, of all places, Ohio State did a study, and it included 26 male and female athletes, Mike, 30% of those that that they tested had heart problems after having COVID. That was done at Ohio State. So how you can sit there after 550,000 people in America have died of COVID-19 and say that, it's just unfathomable to me that anybody would think that or say that. Yeah, look, I I agree completely. And I'm surprised sometimes when, I, I, I I don't know why it hasn't been a bigger deal. I don't. I thought when I wrote that story and I pressed publish and I went back and looked at it and I saw the initial reaction, I thought this is going to be a long day for Ryan Day. And he deserved it. He made his bed. And I'm surprised it hasn't been a a bigger deal for Ryan Day. And maybe it's something that just needs to take a little time to sink in and people realize that it was wrong. But it was wrong. It was wrong for him to say that. I don't care how hard he was trying to defend Justin Fields. It was completely uncalled for for him to suggest that the players who decided not to fatten his bank account by playing for free. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Playing for tuition, boardroom and snacks. The fair trade for the billions that football players generate. They decided to put their health and the health of their family over not getting paid to play football. And they get called out by Ryan Day. I kind of like the fact that he showed who he is. And frankly, now, you know, it's I, I was going to get on a soapbox and say, hey, if I had a son or a nephew or a cousin or whoever who was thinking about where to go play major college football, that would be a factor. But then I would take a step back and say, you know what? They're all that way. He's just the one who accidentally said the quiet thing out loud, Shereen. Yeah, no question, Mike. And you think about what players give up to play high school football, college football, 
pro football, you get paid for it, but it's broken bones and it, and it's the risk of torn ligaments and it's the risk of lifelong brain injuries and everything else that goes along with football, career threatening injuries. And these guys put it all on the line when they go play for nothing else other than, as you said, room, board and some snacks along the way, at least legally, as, as the NCAA allows it right now. But these guys put it all on the line to think that they don't love football is just ridiculous. And to opt out that they don't love football is even more ridiculous. We talked about this last week in the context of the reckoning that the NCAA is currently facing in the U.S. Supreme Court. Tyrone Prothrow. Tyrone Prothrow. Career-ending injury while playing for free for Alabama. Could have gone on to play in the NFL. Could have been a great player. Could have made millions of dollars working at a bank. There was a, I don't know if it was on Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Somebody did a, a look at Tyrone Prothrow long after the fact. Never got to have that career. Why? Because he risked his health to go play college football because he doesn't have any other alternative. The NFL and the NFLPA forced you to go for three years and go play college football, and he suffered a serious injury. What was really there for him. So that's what we're talking about. And in this case, whether it's concerned for their own health, concerned for a family member's health, the idea that guys opted out means they don't love football is bull crap. Sorry. Even though there's plenty of profanity on Peacock, I got to take this up with somebody. A lot of movies with profanity, a lot of TV shows with profanity. I can't drop an S-bomb once in a while. I don't know how I feel about that, but I prefer to remain employed. So I won't. Let's take a break. (laughs) We'll talk about uh, something. I got to say, I got myself so worked up about Ryan Day. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' stint on Jeopardy. We're going to have a little game of Jeopardy here when PFTPM continues right after this. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Welcome to Jeopardy. As a lifelong fan of Jeopardy, it is an incredible honor to guest host. Now, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of amazing things, but winning Celebrity Jeopardy and getting to share the stage with the legend Alex Trebek is something I will never forget. Aaron Rodgers, uh, with the first day of school, mom spit 
on his hair. That is mom's spit. On, I've been there. I've done that. The only way the hair holds like that is with a little of mom's spit on her fingers. So uh, anyway, I can't wait to watch it. It's 7 o'clock Eastern here tonight, but in some markets it's already. There it is. I like it. I'm not critical. I like it. I like the mom's spit haircut. I, you could Some would say mine is that every day. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, Jeopardy, check your local listings. It's already airing. Apparently one of the contestants took a crack at the – Packers kicking a late field goal against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, so it should be fun to watch. And we're going to have some fun, Shireen. We're going to play a little Jeopardy here. I think there is I think there is a theme song that we don't have to pay anybody for that may be playing during this. But uh, let's do this, and, and we're going to try to do it. Remember, all answers in the form of a question. First topic, yeah. this rookie quarterback will have the most impressive 2021 season. Shireen, you're up first. Who is Mac Jones, Mike? Because I think the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is ready to play in the NFL. I think he is going to be the 49ers starter. And they have the best team. When you look at the team, they were in Super Bowl two years ago. They're getting all those guys back, including Nick Bosa. They're, they're going to be healthy going into 2021, they hope. Uh, but, but they'll get a ton of guys back. I just think he's going to the best team of those top three guys. And I think the 49ers have a chance to be really, really good this year. I'm going to say who is Trevor Lawrence. He's kind of been forgotten in all this talk about Mac Jones and yeah. Zach Wilson. And where's Justin Fields going to go? And what about Trey Lance? Trevor Lawrence is the guy. He's the he's the the ultra five-star blue chip best prospect since Andrew Luck and everything they've been doing in Jacksonville is geared toward making it work for him. And I think we're so conditioned to think the Jaguars are the Jaguars like the Browns are the Browns. I I think that we're going to be surprised by what Lawrence does because we're just focused on all these other guys and all these other teams and the bar is pretty low in the AFC South relative to some of the other divisions, especially in the AFC. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to give us uh, a season and a performance that we, we aren't really expecting because we just have kind of taken for granted that, you know, this guy's going to show up and be a starter and we haven't understood how good he potentially can be. Next topic, the NFL team that missed the playoffs last year that will make it. Well, let me try. I screwed that up. This NFL team that missed the playoffs last year will make it in 2021. Who are the 49ers? I'm staying with that same theme, Mike, because again, this is a team that was just in the Super Bowl two years ago. I think they're ready to rebound. I know that division is really, really good, and the Cardinals could be that team this year. I understand that, and I had them on my list of teams that I thought could get there. But that division is really good, but I think the 49ers are going to rebound and go back to the playoffs this season, Mike. This one's easy for me, and I'm not being a partisan here. I'm not having flashbacks to 1975, my Chuck Foreman hoodie, or whatever the case may be. It's 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 math. It's hashtag analytics. This is the year the Vikings get to the playoffs because it's every other year under Mike Zimmer. Odd-numbered year, they get there. Even-numbered year, they don't get there. It's an odd-numbered year, they get there. And uh, with the defense, better. Couldn't have been much worse than it was last year. With fans present for home games, they, I, I still worry about the left tackle position. They got to replace Riley Reef somehow, but Justin Jefferson was awesome last year. Dalvin Cook, if he's healthy, if he's not, they got Alexander Madison. I think the Vikings will be good enough to at least get the eighth seed. So I think the Vikings is a team that missed it last year and easily could have made it with one game that went their way here or there, but didn't, didn't happen this year. I think it will. All right, next topic. 
this player will have the best bounce-back season in 2021. Shereen? I think the key phrase here is bounce back instead of comeback player of the year because we all know that my definition of comeback player of the year is it can't be because you sucked the year before. I hope I can say sucked on Peacock. Because, <laughs> because, you, weren't good, because you weren't good the year before. But I'm going to say it's really Body tough. Bag, There's bounce a ton back. of a Nick <laughs> I'm going to say who is Nick Bosa because, I God, that's all 49ers, I just realized. But Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Carson Wentz, there's a ton of guys, I think, that really can bounce back this year. But I'm going to stick with the 49ers and go Nick Bosa because I think he's really, really good at what he does, and I think he could have a chance to win Defensive Player of the Year this year, Mike. Yeah, and, and look – there's a long list of guys we can point to and say they were injured. The injury derailed their season last year. Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas. He was never the same guy after missing all that time with the ankle. I I, I want to go with Matthew Stafford because he's always injured to some degree or another, but he always plays. Yeah. And he'll probably be banged up to some degree or another with the Rams, but will still play. But this new scenery for him, getting out of Detroit, he will have – a much better year than he had last year. Whether it's good enough to actually get to the playoffs and win a playoff game, that remains to be seen. He's never won a playoff game in his career, and I think he's only been there three times. But I I think the Rams will make the playoffs, and we get to see Matthew Stafford operating potentially at a level we've never seen before with Sean McVay, rejuvenated McVay, rejuvenated Stafford, and not because of injury, but because of performance and supporting cast and culture potentially in Detroit last year. We didn't see the best of Matthew Stafford, Shereen. Yeah, we didn't, Mike. And that's a really good choice based on what he did in Detroit and his chance to do even more with the Rams with a better cast around him. And I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a great year this year, too, if he can stay healthy. And he stayed healthy every year in his career except this year. So, so there's no reason to think he won't be healthy in 2021 and rebound. And, you know, you look at what he did in the all-pro season in, in 2019. I think he could have a big bounce back year, too. All right, uh, speaking of bounces, the bounce off the glass from Saturday night that allowed Gonzaga to beat UCLA and earn a spot in the men's final, which is later tonight, that inspired the final segment for today's show, a draft of the greatest finishes all time in NFL history. We'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFTPM with that right after this. seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to Sten Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Unbeaten Gonzaga comes up with the hero play of the year from the freshman. And they're one win away from an undefeated national championship 93-90 Gonzaga Jalen Suggs the cousin of Terrell Suggs with that shot and here is the sister of Russell Wilson Anna Wilson the women's champion Stanford Cardinal that was last night tonight is Gonzaga against not osu shireen half of my prediction (laughs) my bracket that was busted into a million pieces after round one i still got one of the final teams right i went with the chalk gonzaga out of there 
out of their region and winning the semifinal round game and getting to the final. It's Baylor tonight against Gonzaga. So uh, I still don't think that that rectified the mess that I made of my bracket, but at least I got one of the final teams. You know what the funny thing is, Mike, with all those upsets we had throughout the whole entire tournament, if Michigan had beaten UCLA, we'd have had four teams that a lot of people would have picked in their final four. So it really wasn't out of this world the way it's ended up. Of course, Gonzaga and Baylor were one and two almost the entire year. So we'll see who wins tonight. We welcome the great finish because it gives us something to talk about as we wrap up this Monday edition of PFTPM, the all-time greatest finishes in NFL history. Let's get through as many as we can. we got a few minutes left. Shereen, I'll let you go first, although I have a feeling I know where you're going. Oh, yeah. You know where I'm going, Mike. 1975, the original Hail Mary, and of course, it... It did be great, and it oh, ripped great, your heart out. Great. And you, we got you'll, great. you'll have a we chance. We got highlights back. Yeah, you, what a great thing. Of course we did. <laughs> and go ahead and say the push-off. Go ahead and say it. There it was. There it was. Paul Krause <laughs> saw it. Everybody saw it except the officials, Shireen. Well, you'll have a chance to get back, Mike, because I have a feeling that the catch may be on your list. And that one, as a kid, ripped my heart out. But this was, of course, my favorite play of all time, having grown up a Cowboys fan. Look at the push. What I mean, I know nothing about high-level <laughs> defensive back technique in mid-1970s, but diving forward when the ball is coming in was not taught by anyone at any time in the National Football League all the way back to the beginning of the sport. Hey, the ball's coming in. Here's what you do. You dive forward and land on the ground. That's not what Nate Wright did. And, uh, yeah, since you're going to go there, let's go ahead and even it out right now. The catch. That yeah. was the moment. And when you think about the teams of the 70s, that had that hammer lock on greatness. And it was always the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and always one of them. And to have the 49ers, who were just bad throughout the 70s, disrupt things the way they did, the way it happened with the Joe Montana rollout. Because even though the 49ers earned home field advantage in that game, no one believed in the 49ers. And then came that moment and the, the, the catch in the end zone and it just that just kind of popped the bubble on the 70s and we got into a new age of football where it really did feel like you know other teams were going to have a chance than that constant lather rinse repeat Steelers Cowboys Raiders Dolphins and uh even though the you know the Patriots have screwed everything up over the last 20 years it's still far better than it was back in the 70s when there were four teams that ruled the sport and the rest of them were just were just tackling dummies and it kind of signaled the, the 49ers and Joe Montana were there for a while, right? That was kind of the defining moment for them to go. And they, they did it. They got it done against the Cowboys, Mike. All right, one more. Let's see. What do you got? Well, I voted in that 100th year thing of the greatest plays of all time. So I'll go with the Immaculate Reception because I do think it was the greatest play of all time with the catch second. And it was just an outstanding play by Franco Harris. A miracle. Then why did you take the 75 playoff game first? Why didn't you start with the Immaculate Reception? Why do I'm you confused. think I did? Were you just trying because. to stick it to me? She's sticking it to yes, me. Yes, of course. She's sticking it. <laughs> All right. Uh, immaculate Reception. We had the question recently of what you would have tattooed on you football-wise. And I would, I would do the Immaculate Reception because that was the moment that I discovered the NFL when the house was full of grown-ups and they went crazy and I was playing with my Hot Wheels. I thought, I better start paying attention to this because this is an interesting thing. And it was all thanks to Franco Harris and the Immaculate Reception. Thanks to you. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. Have a great evening.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.